Our guest this episode is originally from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He is a pianist, composer, arranger, sound engineer, accompanist, as well as the music director at a church in Sonoma. He moved to Northern California in 1979 and currently lives in Sebastopol, California. Our guest also works as producer, musician, and sound engineer at his recording studio, J-Dog Studios, in Sebastopol. He has both a bachelor's and master's degree in music composition and composes in the genres of jazz and electronics. Our guest is an accomplished soloist and the preferred accompanist for many vocalists and instrumentalists in the Bay Area, as well as the keyboardist for many different rock dance, and jazz groups. With a multitude of talents and expertise our guest embodies, we are really fortunate that he likes to teach. Uh, He's been enthusiastically sharing his knowledge with others through teaching at Sonoma State for seven years and also at Santa Rosa Junior College for 11. He teaches piano out of his studio in Sebastopol, where in fact I've been the lucky recipient of his knowledge, wisdom, and hilarity. We are so pleased to welcome our guest, John Simon. Welcome to Meaningful Musical Conversations, where words are music, hearts are melodies, and harmony is our vision. I'm Jill Meunier. And I'm Daniel Townsend. How's everyone doing today? Thanks for tuning in today. We have John Simon on our podcast today. John, how are you today? So far, so good. <laughs> We're here to grill you. We'll see. Okay, good. <laughs> I didn't do it. I swear I didn't do it. Or we maybe know. I did do it. Wait, let's see. Yeah. What's the question? Yeah, we're going to hear about all that later. <laughs> did I, what did I not and did I do? Right? Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought today we might just kind of jump in <coughs> and, um, and hear about what you're currently up to, like what you do and what you're currently up to. Okay. A wave of panic over oh, your no, face. No, like, oh, my whole calendar flashed before my eyes. Um, uh, well, let's see. It's, uh, what is it? It's summer's over, fall is beginning. Yes. So uh, summer was, there. everything goes in waves because I, I make my entire 100% of my living as a musician. So mm-hmm. uh, to do that, you have to survive doing a lot of things. So, uh, you know, I teach, I run a recording studio, and I gig. And I also have a Sunday gig at a, I'm a music director at the local Catholic church in mm. Sonoma. So uh, that's my steadiest gig. And uh, so now the gigs are kind of like starting to thin out slightly. The weddings are pretty much done. Uh, all that's left are funerals mm. and uh, Christmas is a coming. So that's like the church thing. And uh, 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 and so there's more work starting. Like people are starting uh, projects in the studio now. I have a couple of, I get, I tend to get people uh, that are like singer songwriters. They come in and 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 uh, you know do their projects in the in the studio. And um, uh, lots of times they'll come in with. Oh, this one lady just came in. She uh, wrote the sweetest song. It was a uh, it was it's a protest song about uh, the kids in cages at the border. And she wrote this simple little folk song, that's a folk kind of song, that is the most (coughs) heart-wrenching, beautiful little piece of music. Mm. And uh, so uh, anyway, it was her singing it and me playing the piano, and that's all the further she wanted to go with it. We've been talking about, you know, I can add drums and strings and all that kind of a thing, but we're actually kind of thinking... Maybe it's better just to sort of leave it 
simple. Kind of simple and like stark like that because it's, uh, she sings it very, she has a very uh, beautiful, sweet, semi-untrained voice that's just perfect Mm -hmm. for the, for, for the sound of it. And everybody who listens to it, they like, you know, get a little, get teary. So it's like, wow, that's working. I would love Love to hear that. That's working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Well, I, I think I could show it to you. She would love to. I'm sure she'd be glad to have it promulgated. So uh, wonderful. I'll I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get you a copy That'd of that. Be great. Okay, cool. Thank you, John. Yeah. So anyway, that lots of projects in the studio, and um, I had a really cool couple of gigs. I'm doing these gigs now in, up in Ukiah with um, Paul McCandless. Oh yes. And um, uh, uh, singer Paula Samante, who I've known since about '83 or something. She's a Great singer lives in, in Ukiah, and a bassist Pierre Archain. Do you know him? I don't. He's no. a really good bass player. He's got this great French accent, and uh, so uh, it's so it's you know Paul, me, Pierre, and Paula, mm-hmm. and uh, we just played at Ravinia Winery last week when it was like 104 degrees or something. Mm. It was that like, was crazy, oh but uh, just so much fun to play with people who are listening. Yeah. yeah. They're listening. Everybody's oh, wow. just listening deeply to each other, and, and it's so gratifying when that happens. Mm. Love that. So Beautiful. Very, very, you know, Paul is just mm. the great, you know, he's so good at listening. I mean, every little thing, and you have to listen to him too because there's something, something going on in his mind that doesn't go on in most people's minds. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, you're going there with that, you know. Yeah, and so maybe we want to tell the listeners about Paul McCandless, and he used to be mm-hmm. in the band Oregon, and do you mm-hmm. want to say more about um, him? Yeah, he's briefly? also currently in a band called... Um, Charged Particles, mm-hmm. which is down in, uh, they're mostly down in the San Francisco area. Charged Particles. Uh, I know the keyboard player is the uh, guy who teaches jazz piano at Stanford. So uh, I guess I'm not going to get to substitute for him anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 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 God, some, a great drummer who uh, is also a psychologist, so that's dangerous. And then uh, a bass player. So it's like a quartet like that. Mm-hmm. And also he goes to uh, Germany. He, he's like somebody went and saw us at the winery that just had seen him in Germany wow. and follow, you know somehow followed him to Ukiah. Whoa. And, uh, Whoa. and he plays... Mm-hmm. He plays, right now he's playing uh, mostly uh, soprano and tenor sax, mm-hmm. but he also plays uh, English horn, uh, clarinet, bass clarinet, oboe. He's really, really multi, multi-instrumentalist. Mm-hmm. So. Well, that sounds really uh, fulfilling, really exciting for you to be playing with Paul. And, oh, yeah. And I love playing with musicians <laughs> who, like, you know, push me. Yeah. And, and yeah. Uh, you know, I know they're listening, mm-hmm. you know, so... That really is just so fun. That's mm. so fun. <laughs> yeah. So what happens when, because um, we were going to talk a little bit about improvisation and stuff. So do mm-hmm. you want to say a little bit about what happens when you're actually playing with musicians who are listening and have that skill to kind of um, respond? And Well, from that angle of uh, the interaction with the other musicians, it's, uh, it's listening. It's really, you know, and leaving room open for them to say something, too. Uh, sometimes it can be a, a nervous habit to just fill in everything, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, 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 sometimes it takes a little bit of guts to not play something, mm-hmm. to just hold back. And I notice in, in bands, actually, my experience is if I, if I want people to get more... Uh, involved in the music in the band, like to get the band more like cohesive, is um, to play less. Mm-hmm. 
because then they'll start to go, oh, there's room. Oh, I could do this. And they get more, if you play a lot all the time, then they're like, oh, well, he's got that covered. Uh, and, and they kind of withdraw a little bit. They mm -hmm. sit back and say, well, he, you know, either, oh, you know, he's just got it covered. I'm just going to uh, hang loose and uh, think about my uh, dental <laughs> appointment or something. Yeah. Or they're, you know, just go away. They'll just go away. Yeah. And so um, when you play less, they'll hear this space and they'll go, They'll, they'll, they'll hear the music in their heads of something that they, comes up that they could do and they'll contribute. Yes. So you kind of draw people in by stepping back a little bit right. and uh, trapping them in, in a way. You know, <laughs> it's a little open trap. Like mm -hmm. either, there's nothing going on, it's safe to come in yeah. and then they yeah. come in like that. And then you can start selectively responding and you have to really be able to, it's like a psychological thing because it's, it depends on each musician's um, own psychological makeup, I guess, you know, how they uh, respond and, you know, how, 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 what kind of a conversation you can have. It's just like having a conversation with anyone, you know, when you're talking to somebody, mm -hmm. you can get a sense of, uh, oh, he's got a lot to say. He doesn't have much to say. Oh, he's a little bit shy or, he, uh, or she or, you know, or, you know, you just get a sense of what's going on. And that's kind of like the fun part is to suss that out, to try to yeah. figure out what's going on here and what 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 do we what have we got here? Are they uh, are they listening too? Yeah. I mean, they might be uh, disappointingly uh, going. Uh, oh, this is a time for me to show off and uh, watch me do this. Mm -hmm. You know, in which case you just be patient and kind of like that was nice. Go, go here you go. You know, and hopefully they'll play themselves out. And it's usually that's usually a sign of nervousness. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. hopefully they'll all calm down because you want everybody to settle yeah. as much as possible with each other so that we're all kind of, you know, level out at a, some kind of an equality where like everyone feels like they're part of the same thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes it works, sometimes, you know, not so good, but, you know, that's the goal. Yes. That's the goal. So when you're improvising uh, in terms of other people and your interactions with other people, there's that, but there's also the thing that's going on in your own head that's kind of independent of that in a way. And um, one aspect of that is looking ahead mm -hmm. and 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 trying to see where the where you were, you know, list, it's sort of like you're taking dictation, I was gonna say, but like you're transcribing what it is that you're getting in from the ether, mm -hmm. like wherever that comes from, you just get an idea of, sometimes it's like, oh, this sounds like uh, uh, I'm beginning to see the light. So I'll play a little, you know, you could be funny mm -hmm. or it could be, you just get an idea, you hear a melody, you hear something that's going, or what some other person just played and you start hearing that and you know that when it's your turn you know what you're you're going to follow you cut cut idea what you're going to follow that with because you're you're hearing it along with him or her too yes. mm -hmm. and so there's a little bit of planning ahead in terms of being aware of what the tune is mm -hmm. how you know uh the structure of the tune, uh, there's all the technical stuff like, you know, what chord is this? How do you play it? What uh, other ideas are there to play it? What scales go along with that chord? What are interesting things that you could do with uh, alternate blah, blah, blah? You know, mm -hmm. all that little technical shit that's going on. Can I say shit? Yes, you can say all the oh, swear shit. words okay, you want. Okay, <laughs> good. So that stuff. And then on top of that, but that, that, but that's like, 
you can't get caught in that because then you you become just you're just spitting out technical yeah. shit. Yeah. You know, As you're just to music. You're great. It's just all. And then it's just kind of like a, a a little harmony test or something mm-hmm. like. And it becomes showing off. Then you know, oh, watch me do this. How fast I can play this arpeggio. You know, and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Right. And uh, but then but that but there's that. And then there's the thing coming in from the ether, which is like, what do I hear? And then you go, what do I hear? That sounds like. It's that scale. I wonder if it is. So you try it and you go, oh, nope, that wasn't that. What did I just do? Oh, well, in that case, and then you have to spin on a, on, a, on the moment and go, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't do what I thought I was going to do, but I did do this, and that sounds interesting because that makes me think of something else. Yeah. yeah. So you really are kind of like <laughs> spinning on a dime almost yeah. instantaneously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With the background, the only thing that's holding it all together is the tune. Yeah. So there's the structure of the tune. And um, your technical knowledge, mm-hmm. and I guess your own technical abilities. Yes. You know, you know what you can or cannot do. Sometimes yes. I hear something that's like, "Yeah, right." You know, let's not try that, but let's try an approximation of that, mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever. You know, so uh, it, it's it's combining all of those things, and all that has to happen when you're thinking ahead, but at the same time being present and listening to what's going on. That's why I love it because there's just so much going on. I, I don't have time to, you know, if I go to a gig, I don't want to drink. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't have time for a drink. Yeah. I got too much to do. I'm too, if I get a, you know, I'll have a beer maybe at the last set at the yeah. end and sip on it slowly, but mm-hmm. I do not want, I can't afford to lose any bit of my mental facilities because, uh, you know, if I'm playing with, especially if I'm playing with really great musicians yeah. like Paul or yeah, other yeah. people, like that's insulting to them mm. to not be at, you know, at You're least sharpest. at the best that I can be, whatever yes. that might be, you know. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. So it's fun. Interesting. It's yes. fun. And it, sounds, it just requires all of you. And it requires, yeah. And it requires your chemical, your chemical makeup too. Like mm-hmm. I have to think, especially if I have a big show. What have I eaten? Mm. You know, have I had too much coffee, or do I need more coffee? Mm. Uh, am I properly hydrated? Uh, sleep, sleep, huge, yeah. huge. Are your clothes comfortable? Uh, are my clothes comfortable? <laughs> yeah, can I breathe in this? What's yeah, totally. also what's going on in the room? Mm. Because uh, that could be a distraction. Mm-hmm. And um, how are you going to handle what's going on in the room? Or it can actually also, in some cases, uh, uh, enhance it. But most of the time, it's a distraction. Because, say, say more about that. Well, you know, like if people are I talking mean, or yeah, you know, clinking. unfortunately, the 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 most common place to play is not in a concert situation. I love concert situations, but that's like a sit down and shut up type of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. Everybody and everybody understands that's the agreement: sit down and shut up and listen. But very rare does that happen. It's more like you know. It's a um, uh, it's a cocktail reception at a wedding, mm-hmm. right? Totally. And we're gonna play. They want background jazz, okay? Mm-hmm. They don't care what we're doing as long as it sounds, you know, doesn't interfere with their conversation. Mm-hmm. It has, you know, you have to think of what the purpose of the room is. So the the room comes into uh, play from this point of view. Mm-hmm. That um, you know, if like you're playing a cocktail reception during the wedding. Uh, don't play chameleon yeah. or freedom jazz dance or you know out there stuff. Don't play Michael Brecker. Mm-hmm. You know you want Ellington, uh, uh, Bill Evans. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. so you, it's it's got to fit into the the vibe of the room. That's yeah. part of my job. It might be uh, if I'm playing. Uh, sometimes I used to play at um, uh, Brannon's Grill in Calistoga before oh, yeah. it closed down, and that's a, they had an ice grand piano there. 
but they don't want me. It's not a damn concert. Yeah, they want yeah. me to enhance their dinner, mm-hmm. fill in the spaces between the conversation, and stay out of the way. So mm-hmm. it's kind of an ambient thing in a lot of ways. Totally, totally. And so you have to understand that's what you're hired to do. Be professional about it and, and just don't say, yeah, but I do this killer version of, you know, <laughs> Thelonious Monk. Da, 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 you know? Yeah. No, it's not time for that. <laughs> Right. So uh, the room can fit, you know, can fit into that. Also, maybe there, you know, some I play a lot over at uh, Main Street Station in Greenville, oh, yeah. which mm-hmm. is more of a wide open jazz club. Uh, um, people come there to listen, mm-hmm. uh, but also people come there just to eat good Italian food and uh, talk to each other and have their own time. And we're n- so that's a dual purpose. Right. So mm-hmm. to some people, we're nothing. We're like. Background music, you know, we're kind of equal to the football game that's going on sure. in the bar. But other people, they're sitting real close and yeah. they want to be stimulated. Yeah. They want to, what are you going to do? You know, yeah. what, what do you, what's going to happen? You know, yeah. they're really interested in the, in the drama, you know. Yeah. That's, that's cool. a cool venue. Yeah. It's a cool yeah. venue. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And so, but uh, you have to sort of semi-tune it out too. You can't be, dis- you know, you could get distracted by somebody's birthday party or somebody saying stuff or whatever like that. And uh, Herbie Hancock said, uh, it's all about focus. I thought that was one of the best things I ever heard. You know, when you're improvising, it's all about focus. Yeah. And, and so it's like a meditation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, if you're yeah. meditating, one of the things they tell you is if your mind, mind, mind wanders, you just bring it back. You don't judge it. You don't say, oh, damn it, I did it again. And why do I always do this? And, mm-hmm. or, but you just like... Oh, you did that again. Okay, mm-hmm. back to here. And, and you just reset. You let go. Nice. You let go, reset, and go back. You right, like that. Right, right. So uh, that's part of the idea of, well, really, any kind of performance. Mm-hmm. Any it, it, My classical music teacher told me, uh, uh, if you make a mistake, make the next note so good <laughs> that they forget the mistake that you sure. made. And what she means is reset, refocus, yeah. and get back on track immediately. You don't have time to like... Oh no! Right, I'm no good. <laughs> I'm exposed. Yeah, I, am, I am a fraud. <laughs> yeah. Oh Jesus! You know, get me out of here. all that shit yeah. that comes mm. up. Yeah, it's a, it's it's just distraction, and yeah. and it may be true, but it's still a distraction. <laughs> yeah. Just get back on track and and. Uh, as fast as you can get back right. into it. Like and that. you know, I, I from a personal experience and personal experience with you, John, actually because you were my teacher mm-hmm. at Santa Rosa JC when I was taking applied music. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but what I was about to say is that um, for me, it's taken me some time to actually get better at letting go of that because uh-huh. you witnessed when I was doing a oh, jury yeah. where I was I was performing The Nearness of You and I had been... And I had been playing that for hours and hours a day, <laughs> and especially like right before it, you know, came up. And I just wanted to do such a good job. And you know, there was one particular person in the room I wanted to impress. You want to impress, right? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, and my God. oh my god! Mm-hmm. And then when I heard was myself me? like make a mistake no, right off the bat, was that me? I, you were trying to impress me? No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know you love me. Uh, I, know. I have nothing to prove no, to no, you. No, 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 right? Exactly. I'm but permanently this, not uh, impressed. And right? <laughs> Yeah. Wait, and that came out wrong. I'm learning I have nothing to prove anyway, but right, back right, then right. it was like I had yeah. this yeah. little thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Definitely. And uh, yeah, with one of the teachers. It's a real distraction when that happens. Yeah. It was. It's And, and uh, ironically, having practiced it so much helps and hinders at the same time. Isn't yes. that weird? Exactly. Yes. And I... So, How come, yeah. Why do you think why that is? Why is that? Um, that's a really good question. Uh, and I haven't done any experiments, any scientific experiments on it. Right. But no, I, I, I just... You know, I, like, I, I wonder, it's an interesting question. It's, it is like, you know, over-preparation or what they call over-preparation. I think one of the things maybe is that it, it sets up an expectation in your mind mm -hmm. of all the times that you've played the nearness of you. Mm -hmm. Then right. now you have, especially if you're just yeah. about to go in to play it officially, mm -hmm. that you have all these ideas of, oh, I remember I did that really well, and mm -hmm. that was really good. And now yeah, you're playing it, and you go, oh, I didn't do it. Oh, that yeah, wasn't it. Oh, that wasn't as good. And right, right, exactly. And, you know, oh, am I going to make this mistake that I make several times before? Oh, right, right. You uh -huh, know? But, right. you know, actually, um, what I do when I'm, you know, in trouble with things a lot, and I'm, like, confused and I'm looking for guidance, I find a book. So I actually found a great book called... Um, Playing and Practicing from the Heart. Mm. And in this book, um, <clears throat> and it's for different kinds of musicians, but she actually uh -huh. gives techniques about how to practice specifically with different instruments. But a, a good oh, really? part of it, it was about the piano. Uh -huh. And one of the things that she said, and this actually just has to do with what you were just talking about, that a lot of times when we're practicing, or let me just say, yeah, when sometimes when people, but you probably don't do this, but when people are practicing, they are, they're playing, and even though it might be intentional practice, deliberate practice, working on something, they're aware that they're practicing, and they're kind of going just a little bit by rote, and mm, they're mm -hmm. not fully mm -hmm. engaged with the in process of being present and enjoying yeah. it. Yeah. And and so she says that when you're practicing, you need to have the same kind of attention and presence that you would when you get up on a stage. Because uh, yeah. there's this weird thing that happens when you're practicing and you're just playing and you're, you know, just going along. Um, then all of a sudden you're like on stage and you're like, okay, this is the important moment right here. And you're not used to being in that state. Oh, yeah. You know? Right. So, you don't practice that. Exactly. So oh. she says practice that all the time. So actually I started doing that, and especially when I had to play in combos, and I was mm -hmm. like freaking... I mean, when I even before I went to the JC and I used to go and... Um, you know, attend these combos because I wanted to, you know, watch the performances. Mm -hmm. I'd sit in my chair and I would like fantasize about being up there. And the moment I would start to fantasize about playing the piano up there with a combo, my heart would race. Mm. And I mean, that was it. I was like mm -hmm. filled with adrenaline. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so I had to learn that. I had written, had read that book before going up on combo. So my whole thing was... I'm just present. This moment is no more important than the, the last moment. And it actually really helped me relax and get over those moments when I made a mistake or when our special mm -hmm. guest was soloing and I'm comping. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Ooh, oh my God, mm -hmm. I just got distracted. And, mm -hmm. you know, where mm -hmm. am I? And just come back. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. listen. So anyway, um, yeah, yeah, it's such a thing. Like it's a I, thing. It's a really interesting. That's one of the neatest things about improvised music is you deal with all of that. But um, I think you also deal with that in formal, more formal classical music too. Mm. Um, 
But I was going to say that um, it, it, because there's the attention to what's coming up, and there's and there is the awareness of what you're doing. Uh, you were a lot more highly structured in classical music. There's like you have to play pretty yes. much the little dot, dots that are on the page, yeah. and that's it. <laughs> exactly. You know, right. there's a, a lot of ways to play them differently. Mm -hmm. You can vary slightly the tempo, but only slightly. You know, you really are a, a lot more uh, in a straitjacket like that, right. which is probably why I, I was not that interested mm -hmm. in doing that. Um, but anyway, I forgot what I was going to say about that. So just yeah, uh, we were just yeah. <laughs> <I'll> edit that <laughs> out. <laughs> a straitjacket, yeah. But you, yes, you're in a straitjacket uh, in that type of uh, situation. But um, oh, you were talking about um, being, being in, 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 in a combo. And what? Forgetting uh, your place and then... Oh, like now? <laughs> <laughs> like that? Yes. <laughs> Just come back. Oh, my God. You got me giggling yeah. again. Oh, that's one of the great things I have to say about you as a teacher. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I've taken private lessons with you. Mm -hmm. And, oh, my God, John, you make it so enjoyable. I mean, oh, this is fun. just a, like a little diversion here. But, um, you know, you really do. I, I always feel so safe around you to, you know, and... Mm -hmm. Um, never embarrassed. I mean, maybe my first lesson because, you know, I was just well, scared. Well, but... the more you get to familiar with each other, mm -hmm. the less. Yeah, because, uh, uh, yeah, I always remember having a lesson just, a, a, was it a week ago, with another uh, a student, and um, she was uh, playing, and she was, like, um, uh, playing this part of the, solo, uh, the song where she had a, uh, a solo in it, and it was, uh, my comment was, you know what? You just kind of went away. You weren't present. Mm. I mean, I like to approach the music more from a heart, uh, emotion type mm -hmm. of point of view, a psychological maybe point of view, because I think that's even more important than how you're voicing a minor seven chord. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, have to need you need to know how to do some some of that, mm -hmm. but it's more like what? Where are you in it? You yeah. know, and and I think people sometimes go away and they get lost in the the, the, the tacticalities of stuff, or maybe they were afraid of all this tacticalities and, oh, God, here it comes, and that makes you go away, you know, mm -hmm. like what you're talking about at the, uh, uh, at the jury, you know, where right. it's like you're, you're just, you, you freak out just because you say to yourself, oh, this is the moment. Mm -hmm, exactly. But, which actually is you going away. Exactly. You're not yes. in the music anymore. You You're go. in this is the moment. Exactly. Which is just like, that has nothing to do with anything. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know? Yes. So uh, that's the interesting thing about uh, all music, uh, including uh, classical music, but uh, especially improvised, you're really on the line because mm -hmm. there's not even a piece of paper to fall back on except maybe a lead sheet, mm -hmm. but, but it's pretty minimal. Right. Uh, oh, I remember what I was going to say is that in terms of practicing, a lot of people when they're practicing also prepare what they're going to play as a quote improvisation. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Like they'll write out a solo and then like learn it. There's or... some famous people who, I mean, it's, it's actually rather surprising. Dave Brubeck was famous for this. Really? His, his solos from concert to concert, tended to be almost the same thing mm. because he would practice what he was going to play and make it sound like an improvisation. A lot of people do that. And the advantage of that is 
that it's well played, mm-hmm. and, you know, and it's especially somebody who's really creative and has got a great, you know, like Grubeck or any of the, you know, some of those guys. They're, they're, they, they, they know exactly what they're going to do. So it's played almost without a mistake, mm-hmm. if maybe perhaps none at all. Yeah. So it's, it's beautifully composed. It sounds brilliant. And then you go back and to another concert, and it's like, oh, my God, it's the same fucking yeah. solo, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. then you realize, oh. <laughs> so, so not to say that that's bad, right. but that is one thing that people do. And it's kind of mm-hmm. like the classical approach, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm going to play the second movement of this Beethoven sonata, I know what I'm going to do, I know what my fingering is, and the same thing, I'm going to improvise, it's my turn to improvise over uh, this song, and I know what I'm going to do, and here it is, and it's all worked out. That's not necessarily a negative thing, but it's not what I'm interested in. Yeah, I hear you, I'm with you on that. I I tend to actually, a little bit, because I'm uh, holding out for something different, I wind up also understandably shooting myself in the foot because <laughs> if you're going to be on the edge and if mm-hmm. you don't know what you're going to do, sometimes you're going to crash and burn. Yeah. Sometimes you're going to lose focus and, and you're going to go, oh, I thought I was in this other part of the song. Oh, shit, that's not it. Or <laughs> or it's you something, you know, right. or you're going to be uninspired and nothing, yeah. you know. Yeah. I was going to actually ask you about that, that because that, that used to happen to me quite a bit and occasionally would happen where I'm improvising something and I'm doing something really new for me and the next thing I know I'm lost. And, um, you know, so how do you stay, or especially as a, as a vocalist as well, all of a sudden I'm like coming back and I'm like coming back to the bridge, like, oh my God, where's that lyric, you know? Well, because that's thinking ahead. There's that little well, thing of mm-hmm. knowing what's coming, which is really hard to do when you're also doing something else. Mm-hmm. And you have to think, what is the lyric coming up? Yeah. Like that, right? When you got music in front of you, it really helps because you can look a couple bars ahead and you can remind yourself. Right. But, yeah, it does have to be sometimes where you can, you can get lost in some permutation of something mm-hmm. and you're out in this beautiful permutation. And meanwhile, the music keeps going. <laughs> and, and it's four, four measures down the line and that chord's no longer there. And all of a sudden you go, oh, God, what, where are we now? Yeah, what? exactly. You know, it's sort of like, what was, we, what, was I say? you know, what was I saying? So you have to, you know, part of the skill of it is to be out there mm-hmm. and and be conscious of what you're doing, but also be conscious of, I have to land, I'm going to have to land in about 20 seconds. Yeah. And I have to land right there on a C minor chord. So, you know, not real important yet because we still got eight bars to go, but keep in mind, mm-hmm. or we're at the bridge coming up to the, you know, you have to have that little thing going on too. Mm-hmm. It's a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, why a lot of people practice their solos ahead of time mm-hmm. so they don't have to deal with that so much or, yeah. or, or they outline it to some degree so they have some outlined you know I'm against that mm-hmm. I just I don't care and you're wild John I don't give <laughs> you know Seriously. I just I just want to uh, I like it's not that interesting to me to no. do that I am so with you, know. you on that I am so I, I did you. that that's why I stopped you know I mean I got a master's degree in music and it was all like I was at uh, College of Music at Temple, and at, at the time, jazz was not considered a, a subject suitable for uh, academic pursuit. Mm. And this was in the, you know, this was back in the 70s, mm. uh, and it's a terrific college, and now they have a really great jazz program. But when I was there, uh-uh, no, 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 that's only dead white European guys, or if you're right. a composition major, living white European <laughs> guys, but <laughs> that's it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so um, uh, jazz was not considered, so, so um, 
I just got, you know, it just became a little bit too constricted to me. So my reaction to that is, I don't want to know what I'm going to do next. Yeah. I mean, I want to know the tune. Mm-hmm. I like to know the tune that I, you know, studied and uh, understand certain things about the tune, but I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. It's a different, I mean, yeah. I know what the tune is. I might know, and you know the melody, that really helps inform what you're going to uh, do. A lot of times when people improvise, they forget that there's a melody going mm-hmm. on and they're out in you know outer Jupiter doing something, which is all very interesting, but kind of irrelevant and, and, and to some degree also, and it will lose the audience mm-hmm. because the audience likes to be part of what's going on. They like to feel like, oh, I know, it's, I'm kind of hip yeah. to what's yeah. going on. So you've got to feed to the audience a little bit of melody every now and then, mm-hmm. just like a, a little, you know, and then you kind of go back to the yeah. rest of yeah. the artist's review totally. just to let them know that's the bridge, you know, and mm-hmm. okay, bye, you know. <laughs> but they, then they're more with you and they get more engaged in the music too, mm-hmm. uh, which is a whole other question about what turns people on. It's a very big mystery yeah. to me. But um, I don't care. Um, I don't want to be prepared in terms of what I'm actually going to play. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. I won't do it. I never play anything the same way twice. I, I just, I, I warn people, <laughs> I don't do that, yeah. you know. So uh, lots of times in my studio, I'll have uh, vocalists come in and they want me to make them uh, rehearsal tracks. Right. Uh, I used to work, I've worked for a number of like um, uh, vocal teachers who would have, you know, student recitals. Mm-hmm. And... Um, they would come into my studio and I, and they would sing along with me and I would record just me playing the piano and then they'd take that home as like kind of a karaoke track to practice to and they felt like they were prepared to sing. So, you know, there's, that's helpful. But then we're at the recital and they're going, what are you doing? <laughs> you, I was waiting for you to play that little something. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what I did. Oh, that was right. three weeks ago, yeah. dude, you know? Right. So, you know, I have learned that I need to warn them ahead of time, look, it's not going to sound like this. Mm-hmm. It'll be the same amount of time. Yeah. The same music will go by, but I may not do exactly what I yeah. just did like that. So, uh, you know, people expect that sometimes mm-hmm. out of it. But anyway, I don't like that, mm-hmm. and, and I will tend to just uh, uh, avoid that. But then it winds up, I wind up then uh, sometimes sounding sloppy hmm. because it is. Mm-hmm. I will make a mistake or I'll go someplace that, oops, that wasn't right, you know, because I'm trying something, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm striving or stretching or whatever. So part of that, what comes along with that is there's going to be more mistakes. Mm-hmm. There's going to be more little, little, uh, uh, to play, yeah, I intend to play one note, but two get hit mm-hmm. or yeah. whatever like that. Too bad. Yeah, that's totally. that. I prefer to sound a little sloppy and a lot more creative sure. yeah. and open than to sound perfect yeah. and controlled but bored to tears. Yeah. Right. So. Hmm. Well, I think this is what makes you such an interesting person as well <laughs> as an interesting musician, yeah, an exciting <laughs> person to listen to. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've heard you in, in a number of different uh, um, situations. And actually one of those situations I'm thinking of um, where it was a jazz jam and you were the piano player for the jazz jam, and there was, I'm, I don't remember who was playing, but I think it was, yeah, it was an instrumentalist. And I remember that this was kind of a new player, and <clears throat> um, maybe this person, uh, um, 
maybe had a, even a hard time following the the chart a little bit mm-hmm. or was playing some very unusual notes and 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 I remember being so struck and moved by how you supported that person by doing these little um Mimics or mimics, that's not exactly hints. the right word, but hints or or even just like little reflections. Like maybe it sounded like this person had just made a, you know, like a quote mistake. I know that really technically oh. there are no mistakes, but, mm-hmm. but you know, you would do this little thing to make it sound like it was, it was meant to be. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so I've heard you support yeah. people that way. Mm-hmm. You're very generous, you know? Thanks. A very generous musician. Thanks. Well, we all have to, you know, if we're all in it together, you know, mm-hmm. I... Hate being in a situation where somebody gets tries to you know have the biggest dick you know or they be dominant like mm-hmm. that. I, I I hate that. It's just not fun for anyone, and it doesn't draw us in. I mean, if whatever skill level you're at, if you're if I'm on a stage with you, we're here. Let's yeah. do it together. Yeah. And yeah. if you need a little bit of help, well, I feel that way. Also, I I think that one of my favorite things to do is to be an accompanist. Mm, yeah, that's like my. Mm. Almost my wheelhouse mm-hmm. is nice. is is that, and it's because I really like the uh, interaction between two people co-creating as opposed to listen to me here I go for you know fifteen minutes. It's it's a lot more uh, collaborative, mm-hmm. and I, I, I that just turns me on. Yeah. That turns me on. So when when you're with you know so, uh, uh, accompanying a vocalist. You sometimes they 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 need a little bit of support, some help. Uh, even they're in, you know, what's I don't know where I'm. What's the next note? Or maybe it's time for them to come in after you've played a little improvisation, and they come in, say, at the middle of the tune at the bridge, mm-hmm. and 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 I, and I just might have a feeling like. I don't think they know that the bridge is about to come up, you know? <laughs> yeah. Then I will draw back on what I'm playing and start to get right down to like play the tune mm-hmm. that leads into the bridge, the yeah. part mm-hmm. of the tune. So they'll go, oh, oh, oh I, okay, right. okay. Yeah. And then they come in like mm-hmm. that. That's my job, you know, mm-hmm. to support them like that and also to try to get into their heads. Mm-hmm. It's an intimate thing, mm-hmm. which I like, mm-hmm. which I like. I mean, actually... Uh, my ex-wife is a singer, uh-huh. and I think that's how we got together. Was it, it started with the intimacy of me being her accompanist, and I was in I was in her head. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's it's intimate. I mean, it's making love. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. kind of you know on a professional level. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> I'm getting paid. Wait a minute, what is this? <laughs> but. <laughs> it's it really is kind of like you know you're getting into their heads and you're um, trying to figure out where are they going and how are they feeling. Oh, they're getting like really it's getting they're they're this means something to them. They need this support. You know they need we're getting big. Oh, I can feel that they're t- tending to want to slow down a little bit. Okay, 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 slow down with them. You know. Mm. Uh, oh, they're making this mistake and they're going to this part of the song. Okay, we're going, honey. Yeah, totally. Okay, <laughs> we're going. I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, like yeah. that. You know. Mm-hmm. So it's um, you you know it's to serve. The vocalist, and I really like that, you know, mm-hmm. because then at the end, you know, you come out with like a nice little glow, you know, yeah, it's like you yeah. need to like, smoke a cigarette or, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, so is that good for you? And uh, all legal, all entirely yeah. legal. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> nobody <laughs> got hurt in front of audiences. Sure the yeah. Yeah. Nobody the audience got hurt. Enjoys it. <laughs> yeah. right. We're all in perfect health still, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> safe sex. Spike legs, completely safe. <laughs> and probably a lot more intimate than a lot of sex, right? You know. So. Uh, well, that leads. Uh, perhaps that leads us to another topic. Oh really? Uh-oh. What Where might that going, be? Yeah. Till, <laughs> do tell. <laughs> How about or hot springs? Oh. <laughs> well. So what? tell tell our audience yeah. what horror, or. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't mean that, I'm sure. You'll what? fix that in the mix. <laughs> what or hot springs is? <laughs> we live in Northern California That's over right, here, dude. <laughs> um. <laughs> And my husband and I used to go there all the time. Did you? And so, I, uh-huh. yes. And then I found out that you were actually the founder or the owner. Not the founder, but I was one of the owners. One yeah. of the owners. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, actually, there was a guy who lived there uh, with me, um, and he was a photographer. And he took a whole lot of pictures of uh, us when we were living there, and uh, all fully clothed. And um, I just ran into him actually at this gig that I was doing with Paul McCandless, oh, and wow. I said to Seth. You know, I don't have any photographs of, you know, I wish I had some pictures from that time. And he just mailed me a DVD. And so, like, last night I was on the computer, like, flipping through and, oh, my God, look at my hair. It's, like, completely brown, you know, (laughs) and and stuff. But, yeah, Orha Springs was um, a great idea uh, for me. Um, It's a... a, um, so to set it up, I guess it's a it's a uh, beautiful hot springs resort in Mendocino County, just outside of Ukiah, mm-hmm. on the Ore Springs Road uh, between Ukiah and Mendocino, 707-462-6277. I, I still remember the phone number. Wow. And uh, oh, it's the greatest. It's very, very beautiful. They've so got beautiful. Uh, hot tubs and a sauna and a beautiful mineral swimming pool. And uh, there are a number of hot springs resorts in Northern California that uh, are really cool. Uh, Harbin, which unfortunately mm-hmm. had a bad damage from the fires. Uh, Wilbur and Orr. So it's really those three are like the the triumvirate of Northern California hot springs. Mm-hmm. I think there's other other ones there, but those are like the the best ones. Yeah. And so anyway, um, um, I was in San Francisco. And this was in '81, and uh, I was making a lot of money. Uh, as a temp, uh, uh, running the word processing department of the Pacific Telephone. And uh, long story, but I wound up being, as a temp, in charge of the entire word processing operation for the telephone company at one point and uh, made uh, quite a lot of money for that time. Mm. And so uh, my uh, then wife... um, uh, we wanted to take a little vacation, and she wanted to go play, uh, go go visit Hot Springs Resort. So she did the planning, being a Virgo, and uh, she did this great plan. And we so did this wonderful uh, trip, and we went to Harbin, and we went to uh, Wilbur, and then we wound up at Orr. And I was, we were sitting around, and Orr was so beautiful. And it turned out that I was sitting, we were sitting in a, you know, in a pool with somebody who was one of the owners, and I said, this place is. So beautiful. How do you how do you get to live here? And the lady said, "Well, as a matter of fact, we have a share in the business that happens to be open. One of the people who are a part of the community or moving out, would you be interested in buying the share for well, it was seventy five hundred dollars?" I was like, "Whoa, yes!" Oh. Wow. So we moved from San Francisco to Or Springs Whoa. in eighty two, and my thought was that it was my retirement plan mm-hmm. because. I wasn't, the business pays for itself. Mm-hmm. All I was going to have to buy was 
clothes, uh, not, not clothing, really, not really, <laughs> not, <laughs> not really, really. Yeah. not high on the list, you know, yeah. maybe new sneakers every new night. Uh, that's it, and um, uh, food, mm-hmm. and yeah. everything else, you know, the the electricity and the, you know, oh, well, I guess I have to pay for my own firewood, but I mean, pretty much. Live in a cabin in the woods. It was like perfect because then I could be a musician yes. and didn't have to worry about mm-hmm. making but making money. Yeah, and uh, and 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 that kind of a thing. And so uh, it was really really fun. And it was one of the some of the most formative, wonderful times of my life. There it was it's just really six years or something. It wasn't very long, really, but it really really is still that place is like a home to me mm. and i would like you know i had a little fender Rhodes piano and i would set it up out on the lawns oh. on a saturday evening around dinner time and set up speakers on opposite far ends of the of the lawn and i had my roads and i had two little choruses so it would kind of swirl oh. the sound around cool. and i'd improvise and sometimes i play semi uh, jazz sound, but sometimes i would just like hear the rooster crow and then i would sort of do we would back and sometimes the rooster and I had a little back and forth. Oh my it was gosh. pretty interesting. It's like, really? How about this? And he's like, oh. so anyway. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, right. How about that? You know. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that was just absolutely wonderful. Except that the pro- oh, and then that's where I met Paula Samante, and I did have a band that was in Ukiah, but it was like a thirty-minute drive to get to Ukiah every time I wanted to go to a rehearsal. Mm. One way, thirty minutes on a on a windy country road and um, it was just there wasn't enough music out there unless I wanted to play you know yeah. Mexican music there's plenty of that or sure. country music sure. plenty of that mm-hmm. but jazz I w- would either have to drive an hour on what that time was a dirt road to Mendocino mm-hmm. and play at the Seagull that was the jazz venue out there or drive about a half an hour or longer to go to Ukiah or Hopland and play down there so it was just not enough yeah I hear you so it was like oh well that's you know, the, really, the music was. Uh, I'm more of an urban guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, even though I Absolutely. love the country mm-hmm. and love living in the country, I kind of like need to be around the city. I need to be there because that's where the culture is. That's where the musicians are. Right. So wound up in '86, uh, having to leave and uh, you know, de- deciding to leave. Didn't have to, but I decided to leave and came back down to Sonoma County. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, Or Springs, man, it's the best. <laughs> I still. Go there anytime cool. I could go. Yeah, mm-hmm. I gotta look that place up. Look it up. I'm checking War it Springs. Out. Yeah, yeah, it's it's here. So War Hot Springs. Well. Yeah. Is that when you started doing um, like the film music and arranging? Did you start doing that out there? When did that start for you? Uh, no, I did film. I did film music. Uh, I wrote music for a film when I was in uh, music school in Philly. Oh, okay. and that was about '78. And um, I, I hooked up with this guy who was making a film in the film department at Temple, and he needed somebody to help write music. And it was a, a music. It was a, a documentary based on the life of Frank Furness, who is an architect. He's an architect who's really big around the uh, 20s, in the 20s. And so it was about his life. And he was like, you know, kind of a crazy iconoclastic guy. And so I wrote uh, things for, you know, I was in the music school, so I had access to all these great musicians, Mm. top-notch. So I wrote things for a string quartet. I wrote things for a brass, I don't know, quintet, or I can't remember how many players. And I wrote these scores out, and I I recorded it, and... uh, 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 gave it to the 
uh, film guy, yeah, yeah. and he says, "Okay, come on into the uh, you know editing room with me." And he chopped the thing into smithereens oh. because it's a film. Yeah. So yep. it was like, oh, my baby. You know, it was, <laughs> it was really hard. It was like, really? That's just the climax. No, don't eat it. You know, so yeah. it was really kind of an, a lesson. Yeah. There was a lesson there in that. But, uh, d- yeah, Temple, I was in the composition department, and uh, uh, I was a composition major. And the reason why I chose Temple University, the College of Music at Temple in the first place was because I was really, truly interested in electronic music. Okay. Uh, my dad uh, worked for Univac, mm-hmm. which, and he invented some of the first computers. Wow. And so I had a lot of experience. I kind of had a little bit of the techno yeah. thing like my dad you know, had. Uh, uh, yeah, I had some great summer jobs working on these, you know, in their in their computer world headquarters, you know, testing out their new computers, and I was just like a, you know, a, a grunt walking around and uh, changing tapes on those tape machines, or you know, it was really fun. And, and but anyway, uh, I was very, I really, I really got into switched on Bach. Oh yeah, remember that? I remember that. Wendy Walter at the time, Carlos, and I just thought that was the coolest thing. And um, so when I was looking, I was graduating from high school and I knew I wanted to be a musician because uh, uh, that made me popular with the girls. So that's (laughs) definitely want to keep going with that. (laughs) And um, uh, I was getting the tour at the College of Music and there was this uh, room that the the chairman of the composition department was walking me by and I said, what's in that room? He goes, oh, that's our synthesizer lab. Nobody uses it. Like, oh, what? (laughs) Can I take a look? And so he turns on, and there was this giant Moog synthesizer. It was like the entire wall was like patch cores, and I'm like, oh my god, (laughs) you know, and tape decks, and like, but nobody was using it. And the guy says, oh yeah, nobody's using this. It's not even hooked up right now. Uh, You know, nobody. There's nobody doing. And I says. But I well, uh, <laughs> well, well, and he goes, slow down, yeah, yeah. <laughs> son. He said, if first get your undergraduate degree. Once you get your undergrad degree, come back to me and talk about it. Oh my! So, all right, I was a good boy. I studied Scarlatti and Bach and Beethoven nice. and, and Debussy and all those guys and loved it. But always had my eye on what was going on down there in the basement in that room. (laughs) So after I after I got my uh, bachelor's, I said, "Okay, I got this idea. I'll put your studio together. Um, You give and and the deal was they gave me a little office, a small monthly stipend, and free tuition to get my master's degree." And I run the studio and teach classes in wow. the studio because then they would get enrollments. So it yeah. was profitable for the university yeah, so to cool. get it. So you know, like that, that was that was their angle on it. And so I did. So one summer I went in there with my soldering <clears throat> iron. My, my dad taught me how to do all that. So I put together the studio, made switch patch base and stuff. And wow. come September, it was up and running. And um, time to uh, uh, register for classes for my master's degree thing and a master's program. And uh, so um, uh, my wife at the time was um, not in a job that she liked very much, and but she was like, "Okay, you can get your master's degree. It kind of makes sense. All right, do it, do it." You know. So, so John, how many classes? Did you, how many credits did you register for for this? Two. You know, I'm not gonna rush this. 
I'm thinking I could be on this thing for about five, seven years. She's like, get your ass back down there. You're out in two years. So I was like, oh, crap. So I made the best of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I I, uh, really, you know, really, really loved it. And it really opened up my eyes and ears and mind to what the synthesizer was all about. And this was the early 70s. So mm-hmm. it had just, they had just attached a keyboard to it. Okay. You know, it's it, it, that was almost like putting a bit in a bridle in a horse's hmm. thing. Because uh, originally synthesizers, synthesizers are not meant to uh, uh, be playing tonal harmonic functional harmony. Really? Nope. Re- well, remember that um, that album that came out that was called Moog Power? Mm-mm. No, I don't know that oh one. Oh my god! I bought a lot of those albums. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, it was a Moog synthesizer, uh-huh. actually. Um, yeah, yeah, that was kind of hip in the in, the, in mm. like the seventies. Yeah, I they, think- they, you could buy these in a record store. Like the, uh, I had one called the Copper Plated Integrated Circuit, another one called the oh, Age of Electronicus, mm-hmm. and it was oh, all yeah. these. Pop to oh there was one that was switched on back rack back yeah. rack uh-huh. switched on back rack <laughs> and it was all like you know like oh, right, yeah. right, right. and just weird but I would play that stuff up in my room you know and I kind of like was just entranced by it but um, when I got to the you know when I got into the studio I realized that there's a, so much that's implied by the synthesizer that it really implies a whole other kind of music that for the first time has nothing to do with 12 chromatic mm-hmm. tones yeah. with dominant and chords or mm-hmm. any of that stuff it has nothing to do with that it has it, it's it's another it implies <laughs> another method of expressing yourself mm-hmm. without using notes and harmony i mean up to this point really all music and all instruments, well, instruments are, are, it really comes down to the voice. I mean, that's the first instrument. Mm-hmm. And all instruments are generally designed to play single tones or maybe, you know, uh, or discrete tones, mm-hmm. one or more at the same time, but they're discrete. You know, so a piano, maybe up to 10 or whatever, but, you know, a, 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 a cello, maybe three at a time, or, you know, but they're always discrete tones. What do you mean by discrete? The, a note, a C, oh, an E, tone. an individual right. pitch. Mm-hmm. They're all, that's the point of them, mm-hmm. is to create a pitch. And then the whole system is, is revolves around how does this pitch relate to that pitch? Right. Yes. Of course. Mm-hmm. Right? And then you have, a whole system of harmony that developed from the, you know, whatever, the 15 or 1400s all the way up to what we got now. Right. And, and and then really, if you look at it, when, when they, they were really pushing the question in, in the 20th century. Uh, you know, Stravinsky was into, you know, he was like doing things where he would write things that were in two keys at the same time, yep. Yep. you know. Yeah. And, and then what about Ives, would he would have like three pieces of music simultaneously mm-hmm. happening to uh, 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 people like um, Fabern, where they were trying to come up with, you know, like the whole 12-tone thing, mm-hmm. where they were trying to get away with avoiding the, in most cases, avoiding the 
interactions between individual tones in the traditional way where like something has a, a, a note and then you hear its fifth or an octave mm -hmm. and you, you hear the relationship right, yeah, between exactly. those pitches. Right. You can't avoid it because it's yeah. a physical reality. I mean, mm -hmm. it's physics, folks, yeah. you know, so you can't get away. But they really tried to by saying, no, what we're going to do is we're going to play this series of 12 notes and that is the row, and you, we can take that row and you can play it backwards, mm -hmm. forwards, you can cut it in half and play right. parts, but it's the row. But the problem with that is you are still condemned to the fact that you're playing instruments that were designed to play individual pitches mm -hmm. that uh, and, 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 and it was all designed around a system of harmony mm -hmm. that you can't escape. Yeah. You know, you'd have uh, uh, people like Ligeti who, you know, uh, would, would, would start, you know, using other kinds of, you know, uh, microtones between the notes and, and sound effects and things like that. Like think of uh, uh, the movie 2001. Mm -hmm. And I remember they're walking up to the, uh, the, the monolith in, in, on the moon mm -hmm. and, and you hear these. Yeah. yeah. That's Ligeti. Okay. That's Ligeti. And uh, so it's. I sung some of that actually when in school. It was so cool, but um, it, it, in, in a choir. But um, <clears throat> that you know, that still you are stuck with individually tone producing instruments. The synthesizer is the first time you don't have that, where you don't create tones. You create timbres, mm -hmm. colors, sounds, and and the and so it implies another language. And the question is, if you don't have, if you take away the relationships that are in harmony. You know, no more one in five chords, mm -hmm. no Gs or D minors or anything. What have you got left? What's left? How do you do it? And that's what the synthesizer asks that question. What is the system? What kind of system of meaning can you get? How can you make music that has meaning if you don't have a melody or chords mm -hmm. or all that stuff. Then what's left? Mm -hmm. What is left? That's the question. That is a, a fascinating question. And I, I'm thinking to myself, because I haven't listened to tons of electronic music, um, especially I think the kind that you're talking about. But so I guess one of the things that I love about, you know, regular music, not the kind that you're talking mm -hmm. about, is the emotions that you right. feel. So I'm right. wondering with that kind of... How do you do, do it? You so you're talking about meaning. Do you also yes. mean like that makes you feel something? Yeah, I, that's exactly that, what I mean. Yeah. That's, yeah, and see, that's the problem. Is see, uh, uh, functional harmony has a big head start. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we really know how to make something sound sad mm -hmm. or to create tension, mm -hmm. you know, because we know all the little mechanics and the tricks and harmony that could do that. But uh, And it's a system that is... Well established, and it's a language that everybody understands. And the relationship—I mean, it's interesting when you talk about relationships, relationships between the notes, because I can't help but to think about relationships between people and energies, and how <clears throat> that is—it's like a kind of a form of chemistry, and it, mm -hmm. it makes something new out of you know these elements that we put together. So I'm thinking about the—I really wanted to hear more about your electronic music and how if there are. You know, you're putting timbres together yeah. on top of each other, right. or like, and what does that? How can you make do? a timbre mean something? How can you yeah. make it, if you don't have a minor chord? What would you have that you could create that would give a feeling of sadness? Yeah, I'm so curious. How would you do mm -hmm. that, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And I think the language is in its infancy right now. It's it's 
The answer is not there, but I can tell you where the, where the answers are coming from. It's coming from uh, what is, it's kind of happening sort of under the radar in a lot of ways, um, but it's, it's coming from movies and uh, commercials on TV. Really? Yes. Say more. Yeah. So uh, think of, think of uh, uh, The Arrival. Remember the movie The Arrival? Mm-mm. It's this big blimp thing that came down and they were trying to communicate with the aliens. I didn't see it. All right. Well, they had they used the guy who wrote the stuff wrote uh, non-picturing and electronic music to give a sense of fear, massiveness, mm-hmm. and so the sounds that he used were actually aided by the visual, uh-huh. and we were kind of reverse engineered into bl- thinking. Oh my God! Something very mysterious and big, and kind of frightening, and that's the music. Therefore, we learn this language that probably means this. Mm-hmm. And so, there are certain already in our language certain sounds that mean certain things. Listen to uh, car commercials and uh, uh, like that. There's that uh, uh, Lincoln ad with Matthew McConaughey where they're all right. driving through the colored yeah. dust right yeah. now, right? Listen to when they're all swirling around in the colored dust. There's a lot of rolls of symbols and and things going on in there. It's not a tune. Yeah. It's it's a thing that is subtly in there that is it's it's expressing danger and mystery and what's going on. Those kinds of things are what are creating the language or starting to build the building blocks of the language that we are going to have to... uh, It's not been codified. Like, harmony is very highly codified. You know, there's rules, and we could talk about them. Mm -hmm. You got a minor seven flat five, and that means you're going to play a a scale over that or a Lydian, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. you know. None of that exists right now. It's it's just sort of it's a little bit more wide open mm-hmm. right now, which is very exciting. It's just a very exciting time to be in on the at the beginnings of the development of this language. Now, unfortunately, what people are also doing with the uh, synthesizers is they're they're making taking advantage of this other. Uh, uh, other thing that they can do, which is they can instru- uh, they can imitate acoustic sounding yes. instruments. So, like we were just talking about your Nord, you know, mm-hmm. you have these great sounds. They they have like great string sounds, uh, horns, clarinets, things like that. So the the synthesizer has been saddled and mm. weighed down mm. and and sort of. Trained like a like a like I think of it as like a bit and a bridle and a mm-hmm. horse, you know that it's trained to like make this sound. It sounds like a trumpet now, you know, and it's kind of cool because it's economically feasible. Now you don't have to hire eighteen treble players. You've got this fantastic, or you can sound like um, uh, 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 you know uh, some rock uh, you know musician sounded in the eighties when he oh. played the uh, you know the some kind of uh, Guns and Roses tune or whatever you know these certain, certain things that are synthesizers are used that are part of used in the harmonic context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is not what I'm talking about, yeah. and it actually is an unfortunate side effect in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, I use it. I've got. <laughs> Several synthesizers, <laughs> yeah. plus a ton of plugins, and a lot of them are like you know, listen to this choir and listen to these yeah. strings. You know, mm-hmm. I've got all those things, and I love them. Mm-hmm. And for certain purposes, they're fine. But that's not the point 
I think, mm -hmm. in my opinion, of what the potential of electronic music is. It's the, the scary unknown part is what if you don't have these harmonies? Mm -hmm. What do you do then? What's left? How do you do it? Uh, part of the answer is rhythm. Mm. Oh, yeah. Because that still happens. Mm -hmm. And you have to have rhythm in any kind of expression. There's rhythm in how you talk and how you play any instrument. It's a it's it's the key of well, a big key to expression is how it occurs in time. How quickly or how slow, when you put a stop, when you start talking again, all those things create a feeling, emotions, so mm -hmm. rhythm. Yeah. Not necessarily to a beat, but also to a beat. Mm -hmm. So currently I'm kind of like uh, uh, trying to educate myself uh, whenever I can about all the um, rhythmic software that I've got now, mm -hmm. you know, just learning uh, all the things, you know, like uh, there's a, so a piece called Stylus. There's a piece of software called Stylus that really seems to have a lot of, uh, there's one called Ultra Beat that's in Logic. You know, there's some things that you can really tweak and put sounds in there that you can uh, you can uh, put maybe timbral sounds and, 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 the, and the drum thing establishes when the sound happens. Mm -hmm. So you might not be hearing the sound of a snare drum or a kick drum. Maybe you're hearing the sound of some kind of weird timbre, mm -hmm. but it occurs in time, maybe in a, a beat that you can dance to, mm -hmm. you know, for starters. Yeah. So that's kind of accessible, mm -hmm. and people are doing that. Um, <clears throat> there's, some, there's a, what's it called, Mr. Bill. Uh, there's a, on SoundCloud, I ran into this <laughs> guy, Mr. Bill. Oh, he's fantastic. Check it out. Okay. But um, uh, 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 anyway, um, that's one answer is, is that I, I, just because you've gotten rid of the harmony doesn't mean you, don't have, you can't have whatever kind of relatable rhythm, mm -hmm. you know? I did a piece once, though. I used rhythm. One of the things, I kind of stripped that down. This was my, um, uh, uh, it was part of my um, uh, thesis, master's thesis, is what <laughs> I mean, is uh, I took a, 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 a I, I split down, I took a, a loop of a, a tape loop of a sound that I made. And I had an eight-track tape recorder, and I recorded the loop for about 15 minutes. Then I cut a quarter inch off of the loop, reattached it, started again, and played it again. Mm -hmm. Cut another quarter inch, played it again. So in the end, I had eight loops of the same thing, but they were going out of sync with each other, mm -hmm. right? And then my job was to find the places in time where any two loops would come together. And the theory was, the thought is that the thing that creates anticipation in this situation is two things that go fast until it's together. Mm -hmm. And then you get a, you, there's sort of a rush to that. And then, and then after it's together, then it's a slight echo and then maybe a little bit. It's a little bit off of Steve Reich and some of his things, you mm -hmm. know, he his... His music is a lot like that, but you know, and then it's and and so I would do is I would uh, bring in two any two loops that were were about to climax together, and then uh, fade them out while another one was being brought in. And what would happen? What did it sound like? You know, that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So that was sort of like a basic <clears throat> approach to rhythm. It wasn't a groove of any sort. It was really like kind of academic, but <laughs> and pure. But it was like, what happens if you do that? You know, if I'm trying to get, because I was just trying to get down to the basics of like, what do you do? What can you do? That yeah. if you don't have harmony, how the hell are you going to do it? Where are you going to get an emotion, you know? So I think it's 
notice it in the movies. There's a lot yeah. about science fiction movies. But even, even, just even, I don't know. I haven't seen Downton Abbey, so I don't know. But e they're no, probably not that. But there are regular movies that sometimes use electronic sound oh. to, 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 to express an emotion or that go along with an emotion. Mm -hmm. And if you notice it, you go, oh, yeah, that kind of sound does sound like yeah. this emotion. You can get well, colors from these things, like... Tone colors, basically, like that's the um, way I kind of um, like. Yeah, I'm afraid uh, of the word tone. Tone, yeah, because that, that sounds like an individual pitch. Timbre, sure. that's what timbre I mean by timbre. Yeah, it's all about color. Yeah, it, yeah, but then, a but there's no tone. color system. No, 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 no. There's no we, we don't have fucking color out. system <laughs> yet. Right? And somebody maybe a hundred years from now will have one. You know, sure, uh, sure. but there isn't one now, and there's no way to actually. There's no uh, instrument on the market that deals exclusively with that. Right, you know, there's not. I yeah. mean, you 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 look. I look at things all the time, like because another, another aspect of this is it's easier to do this in the studio mm -hmm. than to perform it. Yes. Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah. Good. I have to have a. And who would come? Well, well oh, who cares? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's just another day. Another day at work. Nobody at the gig. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, who uh, you know? How do you do that? How would you do that? Uh, DJs, you know, musicians put down DJs a lot. Because they're 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 on this meta level mm -hmm. where they're not actually making the music, but they're using the music to make music. Mm -hmm. But there's something quite interesting I find, and and kind of I got some I, I have respect for it at the same you know depending on what a DJ is doing. There's good DJs and bad DJs, of course, but there's something about that. It's a meta thing. It's not down to like you know us jazz guys are like, oh I hate those guys. They're just they're just ripping off everything. They're sampling everything, and they're not really doing. Their, uh, there's some of my friends that I don't even want to bring up the subject because mm -hmm. they'll get angry. Mm. They have an emotional reaction mm. about DJs. Mm -hmm. uh, they have taken a lot of work away from us musicians. You know, we used to play the whole wedding, yeah. and now we just play the cocktail music. Spot. Exactly. And then the yep. DJ takes and over and plays, you know, Aretha Franklin or some yeah. shit. You know? <laughs> and and so yes, I understand that. But there are some DJs that are really really good that you know, tour internationally or whatever that use this use. The, 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 on a meta level where they use music to combine it and create something on another level. Mm -hmm. It's kind of meta mm -hmm. in that way, right? So uh, there's kind of an interesting approach there that yeah. kind of, like I see a little bit of parallel to what I'm sort mm -hmm. of interested in on that level. Yeah. So well, as a performance, like for a performance, they're mm -hmm. doing it. They're performing yes. using electronic mm -hmm. Okay, it's Aretha Franklin or whatever, but it, they're per, they're performing it in some way on some mm -hmm. meta level. So mm -hmm. something like that, maybe. You're very much. Uh, it sounds like you're just very much into exploration, like somebody looking for new territory. You know, you're yeah. this adventurer in life yeah. and musical astronaut of sorts. Yeah, right. yeah exa exactly. <laughs> ground control. Exactly. Yeah. Ground yeah. control <laughs> to me to John. Um, so, John, do you, you know, because there is some electronic music going on now in movies, do you think ever about wanting to get into that? Oh, I would love or? to. You know, a lot of it has to do with who you know, where you live. <clears throat> I live in the Northern Bay Area. I know there's uh, Emeryville and Pixar, but really the industry is either in Nashville or in L.A. Okay. And I did make some conscious choices to not live there in those places, at least in L.A., because I didn't want to. Yeah. And uh, that was a career 
hard on the career decision to make. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that. But that being said, uh, I also have a certain kind of freedom that I don't think that people in LA do. Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're on 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 the clock, in demand. Do this, make it. Nope, that's wrong. Do this. You know, Mm -hmm. and I have a little bit more. I, I prefer to have the freedom. Uh, I would love to write music for a film. Mm-hmm. I, I'm actually, uh, that's one of my dreams, is well, to, to work with a, a filmmaker and do something like that. I would love to do that. Great. So. I, I love hearing about yeah. people's dreams, your dreams. And so I love just hearing that. That's I think really that cool. what I would like to do is um, try to s- uh, set myself, uh, my, and that's where I'm at right now, is I'm trying to define my thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a chameleon. I'm a whore. Back to that. And, um, you know, I will do what I'm paid to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Of course. That's how I make my living doing that. But at some point, I also need to put my foot down and say, yeah, I could put a nice little pretty string quartet sounding thing to this. And I do do that for like people in my studio that want to sound, you know, they want strings or they want a children's choir or something like But what if I wrote music for your film that had no melodies on it, that it was it was timbrely oriented, what would that be? Mm. That's where I, would, I dream that I would just put my foot down and say, nope, I'm not going to write a string quartet. You're going to get, if you want me, this is what you're going to get. Neat. You're going to get this sound. So that means if you're looking for this sound, yeah. talk to me. Yeah. Sure that kind of thing. You guys hear that? Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah uh, that's coming up. That's coming I'm, up. I can't be alone. <laughs> no way. Am I no the only way. one? <laughs> Neat. Yeah. Well, um, there's so many things to, to talk about still. Um, there was this one story that you told me once. Maybe that would be kind of a fun thing to, to talk I about. I said, now. I'm sorry when you ever... <laughs> Please, Jill. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's kidding. <laughs> you clown. Okay, so let's tell us about what happened. Your experience with, uh, you know, the substance and oh, yeah, that one. that's a good story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this gets back to the process of improvisation, right? Yes, exactly. Where we were talking about one of the essential things is to look ahead. Yes. And to uh, pl- you know be present as present as you can and look ahead. When I was uh, I was in a jazz fusion band when I was living in Mendo, uh, right in the Golden Triangle, and I had uh, infinite amounts of pot available to me at all times, and um, so really there was a po- that was a period of time where actually it was more normal for me to be stoned than to not be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember sometimes waking up going you know or walking around going oh stoned again you know like I really kind of got used to it a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I would feel strongly that if I was going to play music, that I needed to have at least one toke of a joint before I sat down and played. Mm-hmm. I just, I felt like it, I, it, I needed to get into that space. Right. It was like this thing that it would do that would, it, it does. I mean, you know, obviously it alters you and you go, ooh, and then everything sounds kind of neat or whatever, yeah. or I don't know, but that's how I felt, you know, mm-hmm. that it was, it, it would kind of get me, I think it was a, uh, uh, a you know, uh, a, a way to deal with fear, mm-hmm. a way to be deal being nervous, you mm-hmm. know. Oh, oh, yeah, I'm in this space now, you know. I'm in it. I can do this now, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, I remember playing in, in, in the town of Mendocino with this jazz fusion band, and um, 
we were in the middle of a song. I was stoned, and we were in the middle of this song, and I was taking a solo. And all of a sudden, I went, oh, my God. I'm, I know I'm playing an A minor 7 chord, but I have no idea what comes next or what just happened. I don't even know where the beat exactly is, and I'm on A minor 7. <laughs> Mm. What am I doing? What's that? And I just like, oh, no. holy shit, you know, I the music is continuing and I don't know what to do, where I'm going. And I just got so into the, the I guess, being, uh, what's the word, just saturated with the moment mm. yeah. that I didn't know how to get myself out of that and keep moving forward mm. and to do something with it. I couldn't do anything. And I felt stupid. I felt like I am a fucking idiot. I don't, I'm stupid. I feel stupid. You know, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And, and so that was it. You know, after that, I was like, okay. Well, so what and happened with that? I decided. So were you in front? Were you on oh, stage? Yeah. Where you got? Yeah. So what, what was the. It was. I don't remember the tune. Uh, I mean, was it like you know, like a tiny little cafe, or was it with the Seagull? It was a restaurant called the Seagull, Mm -hmm. which is now not there anymore. Unfortunately, it was a great venue, Um, but it was just like a club. Mm -hmm. You know, it was one of the two big clubs in in Mendocino area. There's uh, the Casper Inn, and then there was the Seagull in those days, and this was uh, the mid '80s, and. so, you know, we had an audience and it's a, it was a seven piece band. I mean, there were like, there's a guitar, bass, oh, wow. drums, a saxophone, me, a vocalist. Nice, uh, nice. Uh, I think there's two horn players. Anyway, uh, so, you know, I had my solo. So somehow <laughs> I survived A minor. <laughs> Someone else took it and then went on. And in the meantime, I'm just comping like, oh God, what the hell? Where am I? What is going on? Mm. Time for, you know, and, th- and I guess a break, it was time for a break, or mm. you know. So I calmed myself. I, I made it through the night somehow, mm. you know. Mm. But I, I was severely chastened. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is not anything I wanted. This is not why I'm here. This is not. So the next, I just, I was not interested anymore. It was like, I don't like this anymore. Yeah. I think it was probably the next day. I just stopped smoking, wow. and wow. and and I remember feeling high because all of a sudden the colors were brighter <laughs> and no, things okay. smelled nice, <laughs> uh-huh. and it was because I was straight. And it was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Interesting. oh, this is this is reality. It's pretty cool. It was almost like an acid trip. I think you know. Was <laughs> a, so maybe I'll get some acid. No. <laughs> so anyway, no. Then it was you know, uh, and I really kind of like then it just flipped me, yeah. and I realized that. Uh, this is a pretty cool thing going on here right. uh, that, that, that can be pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of reasons to get drunk or stoned, but <laughs> to play music is not one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so I just decided to stop it and, and it just opened up everything. I mean, and then wow. I could think mm-hmm. and uh, be more involved in the process of creating music, which in itself is a much better high than the, than, than yeah. the, the best weed. Mm-hmm. It's much much deeper and more, more really for me, more, more fun, way more fun. So, you know, I see uh, sometimes younger, uh, like I'm an old guy now, right? Uh, son, <laughs> why when I was your age? <laughs> and uh, these, you know, these young kids and, and you know, they, they, it's now, it's more booze. And uh, for that matter, even older people, you know, I see people that, 
there's one, actually uh, uh, one guy uh, who shall remain nameless that uh, uh, he got too far into the drink and uh, he was non-functional at a gig and people stopped calling him. Wow. Well, he he, he can't. Yeah, that's the worst thing because this business is all word of mouth, right? Yeah, so right. if you say, "Did you hear about you know this X person? Uh, he was drunk at the gig." You will. And you're looking for, and then you're looking for an, uh, whoever plays that instrument. You know, mm-hmm. another piano player. To, and you go, "Well, don't call him because mm-hmm. you know that's it. They yeah. that's really it. I mean, yeah. it's it, because you know this is very very." Uh, for for the un, as unfair as it may be, it's a very uh, judgmental world when in, in, in the circles between musicians, mm-hmm. where you want somebody if you're going to hire somebody to be, play bass at your gig or something, mm-hmm. you want somebody who's reliable that plays mm-hmm. well, and if they had a bad night, you're just not going to call them for a couple of months, mm-hmm. and it's not fair. Mm-hmm. But well, that's. Yeah. So you dependability have to, is important, you yeah. know, and also ability to get along on the ba- on the bandstand is really, really. Well, important that's another too. thing to bring up. You know, I just wanted to kind of tell like a brief story of something that I witnessed at one thing that just cut. I was in the audience, and it was actually a jam, and there was somebody, <clears throat> um, somebody that will these people will go nameless, of course, but um, I was witness to some, um, you know arguing up on the stage where the bass mm. player was yelling like oh, at the piano player <gasps> and and oh. yeah and then um when he got off stage um he came over to me and started you know just like totally trashing the piano player and just said i don't know what this guy is blah, 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 blah. And I really found it, you know, he's like, he doesn't know how to play jazz. And there was such a, such a thing a that, that thing, this yeah. person in charge of the gig um, actually just said, you know, look, I got to separate these two guys. Now, the other guy was not being, the, the piano player yeah. that was being, you know, bullied by this guy uh, was not, he was totally keeping his cool. Um, in this situation, mm-hmm. I mean, that said a lot about his character. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, but they separated him and th- the two of them. And uh, I was asked to actually go up and, and sit in and play the piano for for a good portion of this jam. Oh, really? Yes, which went fine, by the way. But <laughs> good. <laughs> thank you, teacher. You're welcome. Um, so the so, bass player was nice to you, then, huh? Yes, the bass okay. player was nice to him. I n- knew him from some other gigs, and okay. I'm not exactly sure why he was yeah. he was like this. But it was uh, like I yeah. was shocked at uh, not only his behavior on the bandstand, but then the level of um, of um, just extreme emotional negativity uh, mm-hmm. as he was talking to me about this it, person. And, yeah, they're shooting themselves on you the know, floor. Yeah, for wow. sure. You're not pulling at that dude again. You know, so, and you're going to spread that around you too. You will, yes, yeah. like you are, you know. Exactly. And it's kind of like, you know, I don't care what how good a musician you are, if it's like, I really want to enjoy the people right. that I play with. That's actually you know, and more want, important I, than yeah, anything. Yeah, I want it peace. Is. I want yeah, peace. I is. want like, you know, harmony and joy and, you know, let's all, like what you were talking about, let's all be together and right. create this really cool thing, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Right. You, you, so. you want, you want, like you said it, harmony. Mm-hmm. You want art. You want yeah. harm. Uh, well, art can be anything, I guess, but you want harmony. You want, you want, you, cause you could see that on a stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, all right. It's look, it's entertainment too. 
you're not interested in looking at people having an argument because you're sitting with your girlfriend and you just had an argument earlier that day. I mean, you right. know, whatever. You know, it's the last right. thing you want to see is yeah. is drama. Right. It's really unprofessional. Yeah. That's it's really unfortunate because I, I know some musicians like that have that kind of reputation too, and uh, I don't call them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they and they may be really excellent players, but mm-hmm. that's only part of the picture. Yeah. A lot of it is how well do you get along with mm-hmm. everybody else, and you can't. You can maybe drive home and go, oh, man, that guy was, uh, you know, not good or whatever. You can have your own opinion privately. Mm-hmm. Yes, And that's course. fine. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, don't, you don't have to love everybody. Right. But if you're in a situation, you make the best of the situation mm-hmm. and you make it as good as it will be. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's yes. You have to. There's, yeah. no, it's stupid not to. And, and I mean, the, the sky. Why would he even tell you that? Because now you're you're going. You're not tur- You're not so much about the pian- other piano player. You're you're thinking about this guy who is such a yes. you know great bad bad person to the piano player. It's it's more hurt the bass player than yes. anybody. Yes, yes, exactly. So well, you know, musicians are neurotic. Mm. They, you know, they're all <laughs> various levels. Yeah, you're dealing with you know. I was going to say especially singers. That's not fair, <laughs> but. <laughs> It's not maybe that's just personal experience, yeah. but uh, but you know I mean really actually there is a certain amount of um, uh, neurosis that you do develop in yourself because you're you're doing something that's putting yourself out mm-hmm. on the line, and so your insecurities, yeah. neuroses, or whatever you want to call it, are there too. Yes. And we all have them. We all have to deal with it. Yeah. We do. And, and, and we're people like... I got them. Like, <laughs> I got them. And, and so, you, you, you know, and, and, and I think that um, it really, you know, people, for a person to decide to do this as a way of life, to be a musician... First, you're going to be a little bit off your rocker to begin with. I mean, you know, why? What? What makes you? You know, what is the process that makes you think you would want to do this? I mean, it's a bad business move. It's a terrible business decision. Believe me. But uh, you know, I am not driving a BMW. But um, uh, you know, it, there's a whole lot of things that go into what makes a person decide to do that, mm-hmm. and they bring that with them. And there's passion, mm-hmm. so therefore there can be a, a, an inflammatory yeah. aspect to that yeah. passion. Yeah, and, and and they can be impatient with their mm-hmm. fellow musicians. Yeah, I've experienced that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and you know I really thought long and hard about it. Um, you know what, honestly, what might have been going on with this guy that would mm-hmm. cause him to be so yeah, upset? Because right, right. I I do I have to say try to be empathic and try to put myself in someone else's shoes instead mm-hmm. of just judging them for their behavior. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I I really got to thinking about it and um. Yeah, and this guy. Well, we don't know. Well, we don't need to. We never knew. We can. We can only imagine. Right, but we don't I had know. thoughts that helped me to be compassionate towards mm-hmm. him. I'll just put it, mm-hmm. put it like yeah. that. Gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we can make up our own stories, and we will never know. But right. I think if we were to actually ask the person and just get to know them, if I were to get to know this person better, and and uh, you know, um, I might find that out. But I probably yeah. won't go there. I probably will no, not go there no, because no. Well, why, you know no, you don't like, have to. You're not required. I don't have to. It's above but, your pay grade. <laughs> exactly. 
But yeah, I mean, yeah, they, uh, yeah, you don't know. Maybe his mother just died. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't know what happened to make a person do that. Right. You There's just, always a reason. There is but, stuff that goes on. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on the other hand, it doesn't really matter. We all have sh- stuff yes. that's going on. Yeah. So there, there's that too. Mm-hmm. Did you see the uh, ever read the article? There's it's on the in the New York Times. It's called the uh, I think it's called the pianist and the red lobster. No, no. it's about a story about uh, a very I can't remember the guy's name, but he was uh, a real an, a prodigious classical piano player in the fifties, and. Uh, it's a very interesting article, but the the the, the, part, the thing about it is that he had to have this little toy plastic red lobster <laughs> with him. Good for him. <laughs> it could be off stage. I wish I had in a box. Like <laughs> but if he didn't know that that red lobster is in the box, sure. he couldn't play. Wow. He he'd be playing. Uh, you know, he tr- even tried an experiment to to tell a friend. Put the box out there, but don't tell me if the lobster's in there or not, mm-hmm. you know, and what would happen. And it really, you know, then he would be like, he'd be playing, and he's playing, like, he's playing some really serious, you know, Chopin or whatever. Yeah. And and the back of his mind, he's like, I wonder if the lobster, is lobster in there? It might mm-hmm. be, but maybe not. But I'm playing oh, okay, gosh. but... Maybe oh, the lobster is not there, so maybe I'm going to make a mistake. But, and it would just be like, he just tripped himself mm-hmm. yeah. out like yeah. that. Yeah. But, you know, the point being that there are, it's a neurotic thing. Yeah. You know, there, there are, you, you were digging deep into a person to, mm-hmm. to do music at that kind of a level. Mm-hmm. And it, a lot comes with that. There's mm-hmm. a lot of baggage that comes with that. And if it helps him to have a freaking red lobster in a box off stage, yeah. By <laughs> God, give him the red lobster, you know, mm-hmm. for sure, you know. Um, yeah. that was a, read the article. Is it you, if you just Googled the pianist and the red lobster, okay, it's a well, long article. It's very, very interesting on New York yeah, Times. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, I played somewhere la- yesterday, and it was a wonderful house concert. And I won't, don't want to go into too much detail about it, but let's just say that um, I enjoyed when I was playing, and then I ended up um, experiencing some of my own neuroses afterwards. Uh, afterwards? Well, it was... You mean know, after the concert? No, well, oh. no. Well, what no. do you mean? <laughs> because, well, maybe I will tell a little bit of the Too story. Too late. Oh, my God. You can edit you know, it out later. Yeah, I can edit it out. That's true. You're right. <laughs> but <clears throat> I do like to take risks around my vulnerability. I will say that. Good. So, you know, basically... well. Listeners know, they've heard, if you've listened to any other of these podcasts, you know that I'm kind of a beginning player here and just playing for about six years, um, playing jazz. I did play classical growing up but um, and singing. And so I've been working hard to just get my chops together and it's taken a long time to get 60 tunes so that I can go out and get a three-hour gig. So anyway, but I was playing just a few tunes yesterday at this house concert and there were four other people playing um, and I was the, the opener. And, um, <clears throat> and I knew that this person, um, that was going after me was a phenomenal jazz pianist and singer and, um, you know, has a couple of CDs out and I had listened <clears throat> to her stuff and I was really excited, uh, to, to hear her play. And after I, I played a couple of actually originals, um, and just one standard and as she was playing, I was standing in the back of the, um, room and I felt my she played so beautifully and I felt myself start to choke up and I 
started to literally tears were coming down my eyes mm-hmm. because I felt so bad about myself all mm-hmm. of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was a, a horrible feeling inside and it was mm-hmm. kind of shocking to me that I was experiencing this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm noticing that this that I'm experiencing this, I'm observing it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm having an emotional reaction to observing it and then I go, okay, can I let go of judging my emotion right now or oh. judging the judging, uh-huh. oh you know, God. letting right. go of judging the judging oh, and geez. just be with it and just stay with your breath and just notice what's arising, let it pass right, by, right. but be with it. Right. You know, there's something it's here real. that needs healing and right, just, right. just be with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then, so I just kind of settled down instead of trying to control, I mean, it wasn't like out of control, but I, it, I was curious too because it was kind of shocking and uh, now I just want to say I had not one bad feeling about this person there was mm-hmm. no sense of like oh I you know don't want this person I hate you know, that person nothing negative well, about her that's actually pretty evolved well, so <laughs> that's I pretty tend, good well that that is just I actually to yeah. be honest I don't feel that way about people mm-hmm. that I admire it more what happens is that I I shrink I feel myself uh, shrinking like and going being unworthy or exactly yeah, yeah, undeserving, yeah, yeah. unworthy. Uh-huh. And so, anyway, then right. I, I ended up getting a seat uh, just a few m- moments later, maybe five minutes past, and then I sat down, and I decided to just feel my sitting bones on the chair and just relax and close my eyes. And allow the music to just kind of come into me and just listen and and just let go of the other stuff. It was kind of just already moving through me. And I actually just thoroughly enjoyed the rest of her pieces and was able to completely focus. Um, that said, um, you know, after the event was over, um, I... I did notice that there were remnants of that, just that feeling of shame. And I just kind of wanted to, an unworthiness, kind of go back and revisit that because there's something to learn from that. (laughs) If I just Mm -hmm. ignore it and, you know, I I really believe in kind of rooting things out. Yes, I can look at it and let it go. But there's something, some kind of, um, you know, experience or way of thinking that's causing me to have these feelings. And so... Actually, I will say there a beautiful thing happened. I was able to talk to the two hosts afterwards, after everybody had left, and and I brought this up with them. And you know, and I made sure. Well, so so there. Then this the 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 woman the the um one of the artists that the host that his wife said. Something so beautiful. At first, she said, Jill, I think of um, people like flowers in a garden. And um, sometimes, you know, a flower might see another flower that is, you know, they think, oh my God, that flower is so beautiful and so much, you know, more this or that or whatever. And they get, and, you know, so the flower gets angry at the other flower. And, you know, upset or says, oh, you know, you shouldn't be like that. So I said, well, that's actually not kind of my reaction. That part as the flower is to to be upset with the other person. But what happens is that I feel like I'm just shrinking Mm -hmm. and I just Mm -hmm. go like deep within myself and I just feel like... I want to disappear and mm-hmm. I don't deserve to be Who here. Who am I? Yeah, all what that stuff. What right do I have to be here in the yeah. first place? Oh. And so, oh my God, she Jeez, just, yeah. so she was listening with such focus <clears throat> and such compassion 
And she said few words. And these next words are now like this thing that is, is like my mantra. And she, so she, after hearing me say, well, that I don't have those negative feelings towards the person, but towards myself. And she said, well, when a person is a, like a flower and that flower, and I was imagining a sunflower, um, they actually, the flower blossom just looks up to the sky and allows the sunlight to just stream into them. And when she said that, it was, it's the imagery of, for me, it's like spirit coming into me and that we're all allowing spirit to come into us and through us. And that's what, you know, we are. I mean, you know, and so mm -hmm. that for some reason, um, it's like, it's just, it's healing. It's a healing mm -hmm. image and mm -hmm. to know that it's just spirit coming through us. And in a way, I mean, actually, I just, of course, have to... It's there's a saying in the Bhagavad Gita that um, you know that if we if we think that we are the actor of what we do, like we actually take ownership of what we do instead of this energy coming through That's us. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. You know, then we will always be at the mercy of both praise and blame. That's and a good that, point. So yeah. just letting go of ownership. It's like yes, I am the vessel through mm -hmm. which the stuff comes. Mm -hmm. So, but just to remember. And so uh, anyway, that was like a really uh, unexpected experience that I had last night. Oh, yeah. But um, That's very interesting. Yeah, well, everybody has You that know, life, so <laughs> whoa. Uh, you know, I I, I say uh, there's always somebody driving faster than you on the freeway. Oh yeah. <laughs> no matter how fast you're going, someone's going to zip right by you. <laughs> Doesn't matter. There's always somebody <laughs> faster on the freeway. Mm -hmm. Just give it up. But uh, it's uh, well. That that's the 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 beauty and the and and the and the hard part about being an exp an artist to being mm -hmm. expressing yourself mm -hmm. is that it's there, and so there's a vulnerability. Yeah, you are exposed mm -hmm. in that way, and then. If you make a judgment that somebody else is quote better, mm -hmm. uh, and it may it may and it may, may be it mm -hmm. may be by that measure mm -hmm. by that mm -hmm. measure that you're using mm -hmm. you know maybe maybe they've been uh, you know they have more experience and you know a lot well <laughs> yeah. what do you expect they better be then <laughs> I remember once uh, I went to a, a jam in the city um, uh, I was you know somebody said there's this jam going down. Uh, someplace along the bay uh, on the Embarcadero. And so I went down and there were a number of piano players there. And uh, so I noticed that every time a piano player came up and played, with the with the, and there was like kind of a backing band and then the, it was like I don't know why but it was just a bunch of us a bunch of the people were pianists. Every sec next piano player who came up would play more notes faster than the one before him. And then, bef and then one after that played. It was a pissing contest. Oh, man. All of a sudden, I was like, "What am I in the middle of? What <laughs> the hell is going on here?" You know, they would, they would just. It was like they had to play faster, and they were like, you know, it, it had. The thing is, it had nothing to do with beauty yeah. or art. Yeah. You know, and and it had everything to do with a pissing contest. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, look at. Um, uh, the Satie Genopides, the, the, by Eric Satie, the oh, Genopides, yes, of course, right? Yes. 
What was the point of that? I mean, he was, it was a uh, little bit of a middle finger to everybody else that he did this because mm-hmm. his point, I think, was to show this, how beauty can be in a simplicity yeah. and deal with this, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so there is, a, there is an inherent um, validity to everything mm-hmm. that, that, that you do. You could come down, sit there and play a C chord, hold it, and then walk away. And there is something in that that happened mm-hmm. that is legit. Mm-hmm. Now, someone can come up after you and play giant steps, but so what? Mm-hmm. That's, That's a good one, too. That. That, oh, yeah. Then, then, and then <laughs> after that, they do. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, <laughs> well, you need it. <laughs> <laughs> I want so, to be happy. And then I thought about you, but anyway. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's it's um, it, there's there there is a inherent legitimacy to because human beings are inherently legitimate, yes. and so just because somebody uh, comes up with less experience and has a, a, a level of development that could be evaluated in comparison to another level of evaluation. I, you know, I ain't no Chick Corea and never will be and actually don't aspire to be, but uh, I, I have to just be me. Mm-hmm. I just have yeah. to be me and what I did. And I've been in a many a situations where I would feel embarrassed mm-hmm. at like, you know, maybe I wasn't uh, in the greatest uh, place in my mind or wasn't paying attention or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just played shitty mm-hmm. and I was walk home and I'm not happy with myself. I think it's one thing to be not happy with yourself when you know you could have done something that you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Because there you're just talking to yourself about your art and what you want. Mm-hmm. But then somebody else comes up and then blows you out of the water. That is something that really everyone has to deal with. Mm-hmm. That everyone has to deal with. Like you have to you have to not hate that mm-hmm. and you have to not hate yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to see the value and the legitimacy in, in what you did stand on it, stands on its own regardless of whatever the hell happens after that. It's just this is it. That is it. I think we also have a, 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 a you know, everyone wants to be loved. Everyone mm-hmm. wants to be liked. Yeah. Everyone wants yep. to win. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we all want to be on top. You know, our egos want to be like, I'm the best. You know, everybody wants that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to, uh, you know, and... Uh, what, what was that? Was that uh, how many trumpet players does it take to screw in a light bulb? Uh, four, one to screw in the light bulb, and three to stand around going, "I could have done that." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, <dear>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's um, funny that I use trumpet players, but anyway, no offense, guys. <laughs> but um, you know that that's we all that's part of the neurosis. We all deal with that. That is one of the worst mm-hmm. things, and I think it keeps a lot of people. I have people who are students that like come in and they play something, and what stops them is uh, sometimes it's that they're playing a really, I have a really nice piano in my studio, so they're playing it, and they're going, uh, you know, I don't deserve to play. This mm. This instrument is too good for me. I've mm-hmm. had people literally say wow. this, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because they just in themselves don't have the belief in their yeah. intent. I think it's about your intent and where you're coming from and what you have to say mm-hmm. inside you. And that's really all that 
cricket matters. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah okay. If you want to get signed by EMI, yeah. <laughs> okay. You have to play more like Keith Jarrett or something like that. But all right, given that. But that doesn't mean that it's not legit what you're doing yourself. And really, even those, you know, higher up guys that are really established and, and virtuosic, you could go to a concert and listen to those guys and you can come out of that thinking, what an asshole. You know, or that, that, that was pretty egotistical, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Or you could go out going, wow, I was really, really touched. And it really didn't matter how fast they could play mm-hmm. uh, diminished scale. Mm-hmm. It did not. It's really in the end, you know, that's like pyrotechnics. People respond to that. I mean, sometimes if I'm playing um, a solo, I'll play something and I'll think to myself, Oh my God, this is so happening. I am feeling it. <laughs> I'm really doing it. You know, and the solo's over and like, uh, you know, crickets, you know, yeah, yeah. clinking glasses and conversations like, you know. And then the next time I have a solo, it says, I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to play yeah. like arpeggios really fast, you know. <laughs> and they both, oh my God, that was fantastic. And it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, people are not a good, uh, reliable mm-hmm. indicator. No. no. <laughs> it's, it's about entertainment, too. There's, an, there's that whole aspect of entertainment mm-hmm. that actually many times has nothing to do with art. Mm-hmm. They, you know, what do people want to hear? What do people, you know, what makes people, this is always the question in my mind is, is like, what are, what makes people respond? Mm-hmm. That's always kind of a mystery. You know, what makes mm-hmm. them react? Like, that was incredible. Or, and, and, and sometimes people come up to me and uh, my bass player friend, Tom, says, he's got this great thing. If somebody comes up to him and he goes, uh, and they say, uh, you were so good. He'll say, don't act so surprised. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But, uh, you know, it's it's like you just don't know what's going on out there with people, you know. Mm-hmm. They, they, maybe they heard something that reminded them of what their Aunt Betty did in something mm-hmm. or other. You know, they mm-hmm. recognized that you quoted Furry Lease enough. Or, you know, yeah. they have no idea what, you have no idea. Mm-hmm. How, you know, it's, it's, it's a really neat little mystery. Unless they actually communicate it, um, you yes, know, directly yes. and uh-huh. they say. And if they can. <clears throat> if right. they can, yeah. Sometimes actually, because uh, as a yoga teacher, I used to get, get that quite a bit actually was like, oh my God, that was like an amazing class. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, and, and after having studied Marshall Rosenberg's work, um, Nonviolent Communication, and he talks about positive judgments as well as negative judgments and that we can make observ- observations about things. And if we can make an observation about something specific when, um, when we are appreciating something that, about something that somebody has just done, um, so let me just to make it clear, just go back to the example of being a yoga teacher and having somebody that was a great class. So <clears throat> I might, in order for me to feel more connected to that person and to be able to receive what they're saying instead of that positive judgment, of course they're well-meaning, but I might say, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Is there something specific that oh, happened idea. in the class that contributed to you feeling that way? And they said, well, you know, actually, you were playing this, this music um, when I was in child's pose, and it just, my whole body melted. It was the first time in weeks that I've been able to let go, or something like that. Oh, so yeah. then uh-huh. it's like there's this connection that happens because there's... A little bit beyond just a judgment. It's yeah. more like something, what really happened. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. And that, in fact, did happen to me last night with this woman who was listening to my piece. Mm-hmm. And um, so, well, the interesting thing is in the, well, 
Oh my goodness, here we go. <laughs> Too <laughs> late. Story. You can always edit it. <laughs> True. Um, but so I had composed this new song and it was born out of, I had, um, about two years ago, I had been visiting my parents in New York and I, it was Christmas time and I happened to see on the little table um, by the couch I was sitting on, that my, there were some letters from my brother who had died like 30 years ago, and they oh, were written to my father. And so I opened them up and read them. And they were longhand, and they were like a lot of pages. Oh and um, I had been very close to my brother. He was like my best friend. He was the only person who lived here in California with me. We basically grew up together in San Francisco in our 20s. And he died of AIDS when he was 30, so that's a lot of years ago, 20-something. Yeah. Um, and um, so anyway, uh, in the letter, um, my brother was telling my father that he was um, like really devastated that I could no longer like listen to him, that I told him that he was suffering from depression and that I had told him that I can't like handle listening to him all the time anymore and that it was just too much for me. And so... You had said this to him. I had said this. So he's uh -huh. telling my father in this letter. Uh -huh. So I'm reading this. Oh, wow. And as I read that, I mean, oh. I can't even tell you, it just felt like daggers. I just felt so much like it was, oh, it, bur yeah. it was like burning inside of me right, right, that right. I was not able to be there for my brother like that. Because I mean, right. I just adored him and just right. think that he was in that pain. Right. So anyway, in, in that kind of pain, I literally just grabbed my journal and I wrote this um, thing It just kind of came out. And, and, you know, that was a couple of years ago. So I was working on writing some new songs and I picked up this old journal for some inspiration and I saw that and it was basically lyrics. Mm -hmm. You know, even so I put it to music and um, last night I sang it for the first time, you know, publicly. Wow, cool. And so, yeah. How did it go? So this it person really had a reaction well. to that? She referred I, to it? Yes. So she came up to me during intermission. And she put her hands on her heart and she goes, oh my God, she said, Jill, that just totally got me right in the heart because I have a brother who is suffering from severe depression, who um, has tried to kill himself, you know, several times and I have not been able uh -huh. to, um, to talk to him anymore. I've been avoiding oh him and God. I've been emailing him. And she said, now I just, I know that like I need to find a way. And so anyway, it was. Your work is done here, right? <laughs> you know <laughs> That's what? That's a I smashing mean, success, I would say. I don't care so, what the next player played. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> so my technique may not be, you know, what, what, whatever, you know, but. It, the fact that if I did something inside and I shared an experience, it was not easy to share that because it's also a vulnerable thing. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't mm -hmm. be there for my brother. It's like, right. I, you know, right. but it's a, it's a human thing. And, um, people relate to that. Yeah. People, but that's real. That's really. So anyway, that's, um, that's not technique oriented. That doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Technique does not matter no. in a situation like that. That really trumps. Sorry to use that word. That really is much more important than any level of uh, 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 great technique. That's well, like watching fireworks, you know? Yeah. It's pyrotechnic. It's like, you know, you get there, and, and really, sometimes you look at fireworks and you go, wow, 
That's amazing. That's a flower inside a flower with a little, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, I love Disneyland or whatever, but it's it's like, that's it. I mean, it's just on that level of mm-hmm. wow. All that shit is just on that level of wow, unless there's some meaning and re- reason for yeah. it to be there. Right, yes. I was talking to a, a lady who's a songwriter um, in the Bay Area, and and uh, she uh, is putting out a CD of her album, of her songs, and one of her songs, uh, we, we were, I was talking about the uh, the sound of one of the songs and how it was mixed and how much, you know, some of the details about how the sound sounded, the song sounded. And one of the things that the guy who mixed the song did is he got enamored with, a, you know what a spring reverb is? No. It's that reverb that is in the old time guitar amps, like if you put down the amp, you hear that, wow. oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, that yeah. thing. That's a spring reverb. That's an effect, you know? So anyway, he stuck this reverb on the snare so that every time the snare drum hit really loud, you hear that boink thing from the spring reverb. And, you know, that's kind of retro and interesting. It had absolutely fucking nothing to do Uh, with the song. mm. And it actually distracted and and wrecked the song Mm. in my... It's distracting. It's like, why is that there? Why is it there? Mm. There was no reason other than, look at this, you know? Hey, spring reverb, you know? We actually Mm. got into a joke about it, you know? (laughs) You're just afraid of spring reverb, aren't you? I'm going to put it on everything. But, uh, you know, it's... It's that thing. It's yeah. like a, an effect for its own sake mm-hmm. is like it maybe gets your attention once. You're like, what was that? You know, but yeah, it does not affect you where you want to go up to the person with your hand over your heart saying, oh, my God, you know. <laughs> and what would you rather, you know, in the end, walk away from having done, you know, mm-hmm. playing the be- most beautiful uh, 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 scale in the world or have something like this happen? Obviously, it this was, is what yeah. we're in the business for. Right. It's, that is why we're here. That's why we do this, you know. And whether or not you can uh, play fast arpeggios is sort of like, it all, it all has to be in service to. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That doesn't mean don't practice your arpeggios. Right, because having you know, because technical skill and mastery of your instrument yeah. and the other yeah. piece it's like, is, right, is a exactly. That's thing. why we're not conducting this uh, interview in Spanish, because we wouldn't get very far. Donde es el baño, and that's about it. Thank you. A key. But, uh, you know, we, 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 ha- we could talk about these things because we have a good grasp of the language and the subtleties of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it helps, but it has to be in service to not just like because, you know, what was that thing? Uh, somebody, uh, I saw this thing on the, uh, the interwebs. Uh, it was a, a, a short sentence like, uh, I didn't like it, but it was like, uh, it, was like uh, uh, it, it occurred to me that my uh, 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 something preferences were uh, unduly influenced by, uh, you know, it was like big words to say the same oh, damn uh-huh, thing, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was four lines long, and it's like uh, kind of <laughs> funny, but you know, th- it's not in service to maybe the best thing to say is I didn't like it, mm-hmm. as opposed to all the millions of words. Mm-hmm. So, lots of times I hear that in, in in music where it's like, yeah, 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 blah blah, blah you know, and and you know, and even the best greatest musicians, you know, some of their great records, sometimes they just leave me kind of like, well. Yeah, it was interesting, you know. Like you, I was felt like I just got out of a circus or something, you mm. know. And saw the 
people jumping on a trapeze, wow. Mm -hmm. But, you know... uh, Walk away. Mm-hmm. We want to like, feel something and be moved. I think in we, some that's way. really we want yeah, this. We so. want this, mm-hmm. and it can be done elegantly. And, and you know, if, if you can do it with a Chopin nocturne, and you've got the chops, mm-hmm. yeah, fucking do it that yeah. way. You know, but but uh, uh, if if you can do it with a satyrjanopedi, it's just as legit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's as legit. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, music's an emotional vessel, and it's not like a uh, mm-hmm. sprint. No, it's <laughs> not. Everyone's trying to it's just, not. you know, beat yes. everyone else in that whole thing. So, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, there's definitely musicians that uh, fall on one side of that line or the other, though, you know? Yeah. There's definitely a divide there. Well, that's the but part of the neurosis. Yeah, totally. Is yeah. ego, ego. Is, you know, people, you have to actually believe in your, you have to have a strong ego to live in this yeah, you take hits, <laughs> but you you, because you up, have to yeah. believe in what you're saying and what you're doing. You have to have a, a a strong ego in order to perform of some sort. You have to. You couldn't do it. Yeah, you not know, everyone's going to like it. So prepare. The purpose of music is expression. Mm-hmm. When I found that I could do this thing with music that had a connection to emotions, mm-hmm. it was like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. That is something, you know. It was, it was, it was really, really compelling. Yeah, it really meant something, you know. And and uh, I think that is the reason why I, I uh, chucked every other possibility to go, you know, software programming or whatever. Uh, I could have been a lawyer, mm-hmm. but um, this music. This is for me. Yeah, that was it. Was just the experience of. Uh, and I think that's really, I mean, like I, I kind of mentioned earlier when I was in high school, um, playing the piano was the thing that turned me from being like kind of a nameless dweeb, uh, yet one of many <laughs> in the hallway to, you know, people coming down, you know, especially, you know, girls or people going, hey, Mr. Music Man, you know, and all that. Like I had an identity. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I was known. I had this thing where I would like play the piano on the in the band shell after after school. Uh, and I would play the hits of the day, like um, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head or Strangers in the Night. And then the girls would come in from tree lighting practice, and they'd all stand around the piano. <laughs> and, like, and then I would ask them for their phone numbers, uh-huh. and I would translate the numbers of their phone number into degrees of the scale. Oh, wow. So that, you know, 353-2661 was... That's how you got people's number? Yes. I was too shy to use any of them, but I probably could have sold them and made some money. But, uh, you know, and it's like, oh, play mine, oh, play mine. So anyway, I got a lot of positive reinforcement. So when my dad said to me, well, John, you know, what do you want to be? You'd make a great lawyer. You sure do argue well. Uh, (laughs) You you know, uh, computers or what else? Music, music, dad, you know, because it's what really spoke. And then after I got into college and really learned a lot about the finer points of 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 art and expression, it really kind of just that that did it. That wow. did it, and uh, so and the rest is history. Wow! <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, I have one last question. <clears throat> we always like to ask our guests, "What is so, John? What is your one of your earliest, like really strong, visceral memories of listening to music? If you could close your eyes for a moment and kind of." An early memory from listening to music. Um, it would be In Your Own Sweet Way, Dave Rubeck. That's on the, um, uh, you know, his, it was a piano solo. Mm. And that really cocked my ear. And my parents were, you know, uh, they belonged to the Columbia Record Club. 
and they would get records every whatever you know yeah. they got, and and they started uh, getting uh, Dave Brubeck uh, albums, and uh, so they got one called Dave Brubeck's Greatest Hits, and it had uh, Take Five on it and mm-hmm. Blue Rondo. Anyway, it had In Your Own Sweet Way, and just opened my eyes and made me go. That so that's what piano improvisation sounds like. Mm. It was like that. That was like the quintessential first exposure to listening to a jazz improvisation. Mm. You know, he played the song and then he went like into his whole place with it, and it was beautiful. It was mm. absolutely beautiful, wow. and I, I I just remember playing that. Again and again and again and again and again and again and again. So that really, mm-hmm. that really, I would say that was one of them. Like that switched on Bach is mm-hmm. another one. Uh, that one really made me go, what? You know, <laughs> I would sit there with headphones. Oh, and speaking of sitting and listening to headphones, uh, Emerson Lake and Palmer's uh, first album, the nice. first one. Mm-hmm. Just take a pebble and all those things. And Keith Emerson, which I, who I absolutely loved. <laughs> and I would, and I had a, Really nice pair of uh, Radio Shack uh, realistic headphones, and uh, put them on, and just would like listen to uh, mm. uh, all those songs in there, and uh, really loved, uh, re- really loved ELP. Mm. A, Neat. Yeah. Great. Thank you. <laughs> sure. Well, gosh, this has been a blast. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for asking. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, John. Got me talking. (laughs) I know, we've been going a while. This is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, but again, thanks for coming out, John. My pleasure. Thank you. And listeners, feel free to uh, subscribe to our podcast on all of the great platforms, whether it be Spotify, iTunes. um, We've got, uh, yeah, Apple Music, Stitcher. We're on Stitcher now. We're on uh, TuneIn Radio, that app, TuneIn. Oh, I love TuneIn. Mm Mm-hmm. There's so a great you, ambient uh, station on there. Okay. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so the, so basically you just type in meaningful musical conversations uh, and we You'll will pop it. up. Can yeah. I plug my website? Oh, please. Yeah, please. Johnsimon.net. Oh, John Simon, J-O-H-N-S-I-M-O-N, J-O-H-N-S-I-M-O-N.net. And we will put a link there in yeah, the notes okay. section. There's, yeah. there's a, if you click on the listen button, there's all kinds of music you can listen to, electronic as well as jazz, as well as uh, music for my choir at church, if you were. Right. <laughs> Fantastic. There are all kinds of stuff in there. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks a lot for having me. Absolutely. Okay. All right, listeners, have a great rest of your day, and we will catch you in the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye.